This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Well, how many of you guys got your notes? Everybody uh, pick some of those up on your way in. Good, 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 because we're going to uh, get into it, and I wouldn't want you to miss anything, right? Uh, you know, I, I, who, who likes missing stuff? You know, it's like you show up to, to something, it's like you missed whatever it was that was supposed to be fun, and you missed out. It's like, oh, man, I missed out. And uh, I'll tell you what, we had a great week this week. We, uh, uh, we had a men's uh, uh, gathering on Monday night, and, uh, um, you know, we had pulled pork. You know, and so all of you guys that didn't make it, you missed out. Just like, just like these notes. You, if, if you, you, you don't want to miss out. This is your opportunity to write stuff down, and and it's kind of like I encourage the men uh, on Monday night. It's an opportunity that it's it's. You may not like to write things down necessarily, but I think that what it does is it tells the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I want you to speak to me, and I am ready. You know, versus kind of this, this thing where you're kind of like, ah, what do you got for me today, Brian? No, it's like you're leaning in and you're, you're saying, Holy Spirit, I know that this man that's standing up there, is, you're not looking to me. You're looking to the Spirit of God to speak into your situation and, and into your life. And so the piece of paper is just a tool. And we know and we, we talk about the fact that there are rule breakers all over this room that cheated off of other people in school and they don't want to go back there. But today is the day to engage yourself, and, uh, and so uh, it'll be a great opportunity for you. Today, I want to talk to you about the good life, lessons from a pickpocket. Wow. I'm not going to teach you how to pick pockets, okay? I don't really know how to do that. But there's some interesting things that we can learn from this. But before I go there, you know, this, this good life, I was thinking about this, and I've got a seven-year-old son, and, and that's what's amazing about a seven-year-old son is you have a lot of stories, Right? So, you know, Will is just an adventurous, adventurous young boy and uh, um, strong and just going somewhere, wanting, always wanting to do something. And, and he's got this friend who is exactly like them. And I mean to tell you, when you get these two together, it is dangerous and uh, it's never ending. It's never good enough. You know, it's just like, you are wearing me out. And, uh, uh, you know, they, we've got a couple four-wheelers, and so they ride these things around, and they tear things up, and they spray gravel everywhere, and my neighbors don't like me because it's noisy, and, and uh, you know, and, and you would think that the four-wheelers were good enough, but they're not. So one day, they're there, and they said, they came into the house, and they're like, Dad, we want to ride the mowers. Like, ride the mowers? You got four-wheelers out there that'll go 20, 30 miles an hour, you know? You're jumping and driving, and you want to ride the mowers? You know, and at first, I said no. But then I thought, sermon content. And so <laughs> I got those mowers out of the shed and I started them up and everybody thought I was crazy, including my wife. But the point in this is, it's not sermon content. It's the fact that these two young boys are adventurous and life is good and things are just going good for them. They're excited. You know, there's never a dull moment with them and they're enjoying themselves and they're adventurous and, and they want to go places and do things and experience things. And, and so I brought a video just to illustrate what it is that I'm talking about, this good life that these two boys have. So go ahead and play that for me, will you? Now, if you notice... He's doing a beeping noise like as his, he's backing up. He just went through the apple trees. That's a big deal. I just drove a mower through an apple tree. Yeah, so what you see is, is just you just see this, this good life, that, that it's just, they're just enjoying life, you know, and when driving the mower around isn't good enough, we will start to add noises like beep, 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 you know, and actually the video got stopped a little bit soon because then they re rejoined one another and they were both doing backup in unison, beep, beep, beep. And so, you know, my point in this is, is that it's this good life. They're not thinking about their problems. They're not thinking about the, the things that, that are troublesome. Man, they're just enjoying life. And you know what's really funny about this good life that we're talking about today is that 
when you and I are experiencing good life, other people want to follow. The same thing is true with Will and, and Cruz. They're out there, man, just living it up, having a good, good time, and other people wanted to follow. I, I got another video. I'll show you that too. Go ahead and show that. So the ne next door neighbor, he gets on his little guy, and he's riding with them. He's following them in, in a parade, and they took off in the good life. So, so my, 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 I want to talk to you guys about, uh, you know, this verse of scripture found in John 10, 10. And if you got your notes there, it, you can look on your notes or you can look up on the screen and, and, uh, you'll see that it says that I am the gate. This is Jesus speaking. He said, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. And those who come in and go freely will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill and to destroy. And my purpose, my purpose Note that my purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. The Amplified goes on to say that, that to have it in abundance to the full or till it overflows. And so what we see here, guys, is, is that Jesus is this gate. He is this door. He is this, this way to a good life for you and I. He, he paid and gave his life for that. And Jesus' purpose is, is, is that you and I would experience a rich and a satisfying and a good life. Now, the one thing that we need to know is, is that it's, it, when I speak of a good life, I'm not speaking of possession items. Look in your notes there. It says here in Luke 12, 15, it says that, that to take care and be on your guard against covetousness for one's life does not consist of the abundance in his possessions. So when we talk about this subject or this, or this topic of the good life, I'm not necessarily talking about what it is that you have in the garage or the house that you have or the bank account that you have. That's not what I'm talking about uh, because it says very, very clearly that, that, that our life does not consist in the possessions that we have. But the good life is defined as this. It's, it's in abundant is defined as over and above, excessive, abundant, overflowing. It's, it's, the abundant life is, is, is above a contented life. It's, it's, it's being content in what it is that we have and knowing that, that what Jesus did for our lives and the things that he purchased through his death and through his resurrection is, is what has been brought to us to experience this good life. I like what this one uh, um, theologian said. He said, some have a life, but it flickers like a dying candle. It is indistinct as a fire that is, that uh, in the smoking flax. Others are full of life and are bright. And that's what I'm talking about today is, is that when we understand what it is that Jesus uh, uh, did for our lives, we have a good life. It's not necessarily in those possessions. But you know, when you think about what it is that Jesus has done for you and I, you think about uh, the things that I think about are salvation. Another thing that I think about is, is that I've been brought near. The word tells me that I've been brought near. Another thing that, that we look at is redemption, that we are all redeemed from the curse. Uh, um, another thing that's been given to us, whether you realize it or not, is authority and power as a believer, um, victory, forgiveness, healing, restoration. The word also goes on to say that all spiritual blessings have been given unto us. And so, so, I mean, we could go through this great, great list of all of these great blessings that God has given to us. And, and I think that those are what embody this good life that we, that he wants us to have. And it's up to us as believers to, to understand and to know these promises in our lives. And so the first thing in your notes there is, is this, that you need to know, and maybe you don't know this, that Jesus gives us good life. He came and he gave his life so that you and I could have a good life, a life of fullness, a life of abundance. You know, like the Amplified said, more abundantly and until it overflows. That's what our life should have. Our life should be a life that overflows with the blessings that, that the, the, the Word of God has promised us. It's kind of like, you know, you don't see very many of these anymore, but how many of you guys have ever been to Arnold's Park in Okaboji, Iowa? A few of you, a few of you. Yeah, I go there every year and I do my annual support to them. And why do I say that? Because it's completely overpriced and completely underrated. 
And, uh, but they have this ride there that, that uh, it's, it's, an, it's the old log rides. And if you guys remember those, the old log rides that they had where you get in this, this log and you'd get, you'd, it was, you know, they'd cart you up and then they'd toss you down this slide. But that's not the point. It's not the ride. But how many of you guys, when you're under that, up there at Donald's Park, it's, there's, there's water sloshing out. It sloshes out of, of the channel that the water goes in. And, and they've planted plants underneath of it and bushes where, where the water comes out, which is really pretty smart, you know, because it's like, well, they're irrigated. You know, we know those plants will live all the way through summer because it's overflowing. It's flowing over into these bushes and these plants. And, and there's other parts where when you're walking up there, it's like you kind of got to watch out because it's going to overflow and it's going to slosh out over onto you. And if you don't want to be wet, you know, you got to stay out from underneath that. But the same thing is true in our lives. Our lives should be overflowing. The good life that Jesus came to give you and I, we should, it should be flowing out of our lives into other areas of our lives, other people, other family members, the people that we come into contact with. But, but listen, if, if we're not living this good life, it's, it's not going to overflow. You know, we can't live just, just barely getting by or it's going to be kind of like the log ride at, at, at Arnold's Park. It's, some years it's closed down and dry and there's nothing flowing out of it. But that's not the way that God wants us to live. He wants us to live a good life where our lives are overflowing onto others. And so my question to you today is, is your life a good, rich full, satisfying, and abundant, and an overflowing life? You know, is, is your personal life, is your family, your marriage, your business, your ministry, is your spiritual knowledge and the things that you're growing in, the revelation of God's word in your life, uh, your, re your relationship with him, are those things full? Are they, are they good? Are they satisfying? You know, because that's what Jesus wants for our life. And I guess I would say that, you know, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I'm, you know, unfortunately, I can't say that, that that's the way my life is. I'm here to give you great encouragement that by the end of this service today, you are going to have the necessary things in your life, the things that you can do to begin to, to, to grab a hold of that which, which he wants for you. Because, hey, listen, I'm human too. There's times in my life where I don't necessarily feel like I am overflowing like he wants me to be. But, but thank God for his word. Thank God for his encouragement in our lives. And so that leads me to this, this second point. And, and that is, is that Jesus is the only way to experience this abundant, this, this good and overflowing life. Jesus is the only way. I don't care what anybody says that, that, that you know, you can, they, they'll, they'll try to get you to go down a rabbit trail and get you to, you know, do this and do that. And you can make quick and easy bucks and all that. But I'm here today to tell you that Jesus is the only way to this overflowing and this abundant life. James or John 14, six says it this way. He said, uh, Jesus said to him, I am the way I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So we, we didn't really look at the whole complete context of John 10, 10, when Jesus was talking about the fact that he was the gate, he was the door to, to um, he was the gate to the pasture where the sheep are, is really what he was talking about in John 10 and the, and the verses prior that he said, listen, I am the way and, and, and my sheep can come in and they can go out and they can find blessing. And, but what he says here is, is that I am the only way to this good life. The good life, though, guys, and I, I, I tell you what, um, this could really be developed, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but this good life is really found in our choosing, you know? Uh, we're going to spend a little bit more time on, on another part of that verse, but, you know, as I was kind of meditating on some of this, I was thinking about the fact that sometimes we are our own greatest enemy, Right? because we don't necessarily choose and do what it is that we're supposed to be doing in order to, to make the, the, the necessary steps to get to this good life, right? You know, we, we choose to go a different way. We choose to watch a movie instead of, you know, maybe spend some time in the Word. We choose to, you know, you guys get what I'm saying. And, and, and so this good life is in our choosing. John 10, 14 says, 
Jesus said, to know, I'll know my own and they will know me. They'll hear my voice. And, and I like what it also says in verse 16 of John 10. It says, I have other sheep with, with uh, uh, I have other sheep that are not in the fold. They're not in the fold and I must bring them in. I must bring them in. And, and when I think about this, that's a choice. Because that's what's so amazing about our, our loving Heavenly Father is, is that He gives us a choice in where we go and what we do. He is the gate. You know, it's, it, he's, he's the gate that we can come in and we can go out. Uh, um, but there's, there, what is interesting in that is, is He's saying there are those that are in, they're in the sheepfold, but are there, there are also those that are outside of the sheepfold. That, that implies to me that there is definite choice. I can choose to be in his sheepfold or I can choose to not be in his sheepfold. I can choose this good life or I can choose to go outside of the, the confines of his pasture and try to find that good life and find that success and find that, that, that fulfillment and that satisfaction on my own. And so there's a, there is a definite choice. And what is really, really encouraging is that Jesus said, I must bring them in. And so what that tells me is, is that he continues to, to, to call us in and woo us in with his goodness, you know, and with his, his mercy. He, he's, he's wanting us to come to this place of understanding that, that his place, his pasture, he, he, he offers the ultimate good life for us. And so, you know, we have to choose the right pasture. We have to choose the right pasture. We can't be, you know, and I, when I think about the right pasture, you know, there's really only two pastures. There's the right one and there's, there's the wrong one. And, and, you know, when we look in all of the wrong places, I'm reminded of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And, and uh, for those of you that, that uh, don't know that story, maybe real in, in great clarity, she was at this well and Jesus came and uh, and basically, she was just there to get some, some natural drinking water. And Jesus basically just read her mail. He basically just was like, listen, I, I need you. You know, he asked her to, to, to put the uh, um, thing down and give, give her or get him some water. And, uh, and, and basically, she's like, you know, uh, she was talking about the fact that it's like, you know, th this, is, this, is not, this is just going to satisfy you for a little bit. But I give you living water. Jesus was telling her, I give you living water. And, and, and he basically told her that, you know, um, you know, her life and the way that she was living her life and the choices that she was making, she was, she was continually not satisfied. And by that, you know, she was living with guys and, 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 and went from one guy to the next guy to the next guy, searching for significance, significance searching for satisfaction, searching for fulfillment, searching for this good life that we're talking about. You know, and I, and I know like, you know, sometimes for some of us, like, oh man, living with five guys, that can be very, very shocking. But sometimes we're the same way. It may, it may not be in, you know, the, the, the public's eye where it's shunned or frowned upon, but we, can, we do the same thing in our own lives where we, we go at it alone and we, we try to do things on our own to, to bring that satisfaction. We purchase things that, that we think will make us happy and, and we go places and do things and we think, well, this is where the satisfaction in this good life is, is, is you know, maybe the things that we see on, on uh, social media where it's like, you know, we see what other people are doing and we think, well, if I can just do that, then I'll have this good life. If I can take that vacation, if I can go to that place, if I can have that house, if I can drive that car, I'll have this good life. And we go, we go the direction of this very same woman. We choose, in our own choosing, we're doing exactly what the woman at the well did. In, 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 our, in our choice. But I'm here today to tell you that that's the wrong way. That's the wrong, that's the wrong pasture. But there is a good pasture. And you guys know what that pasture is. It's found in Psalms 23, verses 1 through 6. Listen to this. You guys know this, but I want to look at this because this is this right pasture, this right place, this place where we can find this, this good life that Jesus came to bring us. Look at what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I think about that. That's rest, right? When he makes me to lie down in green pastures, that's rest for my soul. That's rest for my heart. 
When I go into that pasture, I'm going to find rest. It goes on to say, he leads me beside still waters. What is that? That's peace. He's going to bring me rest. He's going to give me peace. It goes on. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path. That's guidance for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are, my, uh, you are with me. That's protection. You're my rod and my staff. They comfort me. And you prepare a table in the presence of my enemy. You um, anoint my head with oil. And my cup runs over. Didn't we just look at that? Cup runs over. We want our lives. You want, our, you want your life to overflow and have an abundance. You got to be in the right pasture. You got to go through the right gate. You, and, 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 and it's as easy as being like, okay, I'm in the wrong pasture. I'm going to this pasture. I'm going through Jesus. And as I go through the, the door, which is Jesus, he's going to show me everything that I need to do. He's going to help me. He's going he's to bring, uh, bring me up in my knowledge and in my wisdom and in my understanding of my life. And, 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 and not only that, after he shows me that, I get to go in and enjoy this peace, this protection, this rest, because I'm in the right pasture. And so the good life is really a result of that choice, which, you know, I didn't want to spend a bunch of time on that, but it's so important, guys, that, that, that our choice in the matter, our choice in who it is that we're following and what it is that we're looking to is huge. It's probably the first thing. It's, it absolutely is the first thing, because Here's the thing, we're going to look at what the, the enemy of the good life is, but can I tell you that the enemy doesn't have to do anything if we're not choosing the right pasture. If we're just like, well, you know what, I'm going to go over here and be like the woman at the well, and I'm going to, I'm going to seek out things and, and try to, to find fulfillment and all of this. If, if I'm off doing that, the devil, I'm not, a, I'm not a worry to the devil. The devil knows that I'm just doing my own thing and I'm not following after the things of God and I'm not living for him and he's not my gate and I'm not, he's not in his pasture. Brian's over there roaming around over on the hillside trying to find what it is that he's looking for. And so the devil doesn't really have to work very hard, so to speak, to keep me from the good life because I'm doing it on my own. I'm doing it with my own choices. And so we have to be really, really careful when it comes to the things that we are choosing in our life. Because, like I said, Jesus' purpose was to give us the good life. But, but there is a choice in the matter, and it is so vital that, that you and I make that right choice. And so, number three in your, in your notes is this. Is there is an enemy to the good life. And, um, and it's found here in verse 10 of of John 10, it says that the thief's purpose, and you guys know this, is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And uh, I like the way that it reads here in the message version. It says in John 10, 10, the message, it says that the thief, he wants to get his hands into every good thing in your life. He wants to get his hands into every good thing in your life. And in fact, this pickpocket is looking for an opportunity to wiggle his way so deep into your personal affairs that he can, he can walk off with everything that you hold precious and dear. And so we have to remember that Jesus' purpose was to give us the good life, but the, the, but the enemy's purpose is to what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And in your notes, it says that the thief comes to destroy everything that is good in your life. Everything. He's not just trying to just pick off a few things. He's looking to destroy everything that is in your life. Why? Because he's trying to steal, to kill, and to destroy the good life that Jesus came to bring you. And so it's so, so important that we understand and know who our enemy is. You know, I played sports in high school, and it's like, you know, we, we, if, if we didn't watch videos of the other team, our coaches watch videos of the other team. Why? Because they're looking for the key players. They're looking at the, the plays that they run. They're looking at the, the things that we need to do as a team to what? To beat, to have victory over the other team. And so they'd come to us, and they'd say, here's the summary. They got this guy, this guy, this guy. They run this play, this play, this play. And that's what I'm here today. I'm going to coach you. I'm, I'm showing you he's running this play, this play, and this play. And here's, here's another tool, and here's another tool. 
And so when you walk out the door today, you'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, I got it. Brian watched the video. He told me what we needed to do, and that's what I'm going to do. And to top it off, you got the review notes as you walk out the door. So it's perfect. The thief, the thief comes to steal. What does thief mean? It, it, well, it says right there in, in the message version that he's a pickpocket. And if you look it up and you dig a little bit deeper, it says that he, it means that he's a bandit. A thief is so artful in the way that he steals, he exploits thievery and is nearly undetectable. I mean, that's not the way we think about it. We think about it as, you know, all hell's breaking loose and we know that the devil is just, you know, trying to steal, kill, and destroy our life. But right here it's saying it's, he's nearly undetectable. He comes in and he takes it and before you even know it, he's gone. So I was studying for this for a couple, a couple weeks ago for our youth, but I came across this video and I just have to show it because it is, it just, it just helps give you guys a picture of how the enemy works. And I want you to listen really, really closely because there are two things in this video that, that are tools that are, are identical. They're parallel to how the enemy works in our own lives. So go ahead and play that real quick. Steal my watch. How would you do that? Uh, so this is more of an expose of it, but if I may see your hand. So yours doesn't come over the end of the wrist, but if you close your hand kind of tight, creates a little bit of tension so your wrist gets wider. At the same time, while you're focused on your watch, you lost the cell phone that's in your front pocket. Check your front pocket, see if it's still there? It is. So that's what it looks like. That's the watch too. Well, stealing the watch, I think, is a lot like hunting rabbits. If you've ever tried to sneak up on a rabbit as a kid, you see it munching the grass, you come close, its ears perk up, and you wait until it goes back to munching the grass and you come forward again. Same thing with the watch. You do it in small steps. I do it, I see if you're alert to it. I do another step, I do another step. That was a very fast process for a watch to do. Uh, something that's slower that you can do is as I'm shaking someone's hand and I'm holding here, I can open their watch with, in a handshake. The watch is virtually loose. The reason why I can't feel it is because with these three fingers, I hold the watch closed. So they perceive that the watch is still fastened. What I can also do is now at this point, uh, they have control, and that's a big thing is them having the illusion that they're in control. Uh, so if I'm at this point, I say, your watch is safe. Do you have anything in this pocket? But now, when I come across, you see my arm hits here, but I flipped out the watch so that I can drop it in this outside jacket pocket. When I come back, I say, oh, you, you were wearing a watch a while ago. They've never let go of my hand. My other hand was over here, so it seems like I would have had a third hand in order to be able to steal <laughs> that watch, and they think that they're in control. So, Paul, Okay, so I don't want anybody trying to steal a watch that they've been looking at here in the foyer after service, okay? I can see some of you are like, I, like one of the points that was in there, they're like, oh, that's how that works. <clears throat> Obviously, that person totally missed the points that <clears throat> we're going to go over here. But here's the thing. In your notes, uh, the pickpocket tactics, did anybody catch them? They were very, very subtle. Number one was this. Small steps, the small steps. He said, I work in small steps to see if you were alert. Did you catch that? He said, I work in small steps to see if the person's alert. And then I do another step. And that is so the enemy, our adversary, that is exactly how he works. And it's, it's kind of like the rabbit thing, you know, because it's like, you know, when we were little and you try to catch a rabbit, you know, you would you'd go like this and then the rabbit's like, moving, then you just stop, right? You wait. It's like, I'm going to catch this thing. You never caught a rabbit. There's only one person that caught a rabbit, and that was my cousin, and she got attacked by the rabbit. So you don't want to catch a rabbit, but it's the small steps to see if you're alert, right? He, he, he comes in, and he's like, do they even know it's me? Are, are, you know? And, and then it goes on to say, and I don't know if you guys caught this, the big thing is, number two, the illusion that you are in control. I, I mean, when I saw that video, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's exactly how the enemy of our, of our soul works. He comes in as just little, little tiny steps, super patient, super patient, super small, nothing major, and what do we do? We just, we just keep on going on about our business. We, we're just like, we don't, we're clueless to the step 
And I just want you guys to get that. I want you guys to get the step. Because when you leave here today, what, what, what I challenge you to do is to look at, is this a step that the enemy is trying to take in my life? Is it a small step? Because if you can shut down the one small step, you can change the whole thing. You, you have cut off his way. Now, you gotta be, you gotta be on your guard. Because if he tries and, and he knows that you're alert in one area of your life, he'll swing around to another side and, and he will work there. The other side of it is, is this illusion. You just have to be, we have to be so cognizant of the fact that it's like, do I have this illusion that I am in control? Because he'll do it. That's, that's just one of his tactics. He's like, ah, you're, you're in tr- control. Everything's fine. You, you know, you're, you're going to church, you're, you're giving, everything's fine. But there are things in your life that, that you are, you're allowing him to rule and reign and work the small little things in your life. And, and, and what it's doing is, is it's, it's keeping you from moving to where it is that God wants you to be and live. And it's in those little things. And so we just have to be so cognizant of the small steps and the illusion that we are in control. What has the thief stolen from you? What is it that he's trying to steal from you? You know, and as you sit there, I'd encourage you, you know, to just think about this. Is it peace? Is it joy? Is it happiness? Is it health? Is it, is, is it the excitement for the things of God? Is it holy living? I don't know what it is. For every single one of us in this room, it is different. But you can, you can honestly sit there and in, in, in your heart, you can know. You know, I used, this used to be a really big part of my life and it's no longer there. Well, guess what? That's been stolen from your life. And so it's, it's by this, these small steps we have to say, you know what? He has stolen it from me, but I'm going to begin to take the steps to get that back in my life. The second one in your notes there is this, is that he wants to kill. You know, and we say this. I mean, everybody that's in here can quote this verse of Scripture. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, but as I studied this, I came across this in, in Rick Renner's um, um, uh, devotional, uh, Sparkling Gems. It's 365-day uh, devotion that I have just been, like, just going through it this year because it's just awesome. It's just like bite-sized pieces. It goes a little bit deeper. And I came across this. And it's on July 8th, if you want to know that. So I know it's irrelevant information, but I came across this because, you know, a lot of times we think about this idea of killing as in taking a life. But when you look a little bit deeper into it, it actually means to sacrifice, to kill means to sacrifice. Like in, in biblical times, they would sacrifice an animal. And, 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 and that's the meaning of kill is to sacrifice or to surrender. Or one, the one thing that really hit me was to give up something that is precious and dear. And, and, and that is like if the thief has already come and walked away and walked into your life, if he can't steal it from you, right? If he can't just take it from you, what he's going to begin to do is he's going to get you to try to give it up. He's going to get you to try to just sacrifice it. Like, ah, what's the point? There's no point in doing this. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just give it up. Uh, you know, one of the things that really, that really, um, um, is a great example of this in my own life is, is speaking. Because when I first got started in ministry a long time ago, I don't want to tell you because it doesn't matter. My, my dad said, hey, you're going to speak on a Wednesday night. I was over in that building. And I prepared and I prepared and I prepared. I had like 32 pages of notes, right? I'm just like going for it. I'm like, all right, I'm good. If I have to, I can resort to just reading it word for word, right? I mean, 32 pages, you know. So I get up there. And I get up there, man, I'm not kidding you. I was done in seven minutes. I was just like, I was crushed though. I was crushed. I mean, you guys laugh, but I was crushed on the inside. And I sat down on that front row and I'm like, I'm never speaking again. I'm, I'm serious. I, I'm just like, I'm never doing this again. And, and, uh, and I believe that that's where the enemy came into my life to try to get me to sacrifice and, 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 and give up something. He knew he couldn't steal it from me. He's like, you know, I can't steal this dude's calling. But what I, what I can do is I can create some things in his life that will get him to just give it up. And for seven years, I gave it up. 
I'm like, every time he'd come to me, I'm like, he's like, you want to speak? I'm like, absolutely not. I am terrible. I cannot do that. And I gave it up. And it wasn't just one time. It just wasn't on the front row in that sanctuary. It was every single time an opportunity came to me to speak, I gave it up. And, and the devil's man, he's just like, sweet, I, got, I did it. And the same thing is true in your life. If he can't steal it from you, he will get you to give it up. He'll get you to just sacrifice it on the altar and just leave it alone and not run with it and not do anything with it. Because why? He's trying to steal the good life that Jesus came to give you. So my question to you is this, is what is the thief trying to get you to give up? If he hasn't stolen it from you, what is it that he's trying to get you to give up? The passion for God, honoring God with your finances. Maybe you've been tithing and you, you know, you've come into some things and it, and it doesn't seem like it's working. You're like, Lord, I don't get this. I've been doing this and, and I hear them talk about giving and, and tithing and receiving and, 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 and nothing seems to be changing. That's what I'm talking about. He, the enemy, he'll, he'll send in circumstances where, where things happen that, that are just a part of life that are trying, you know, he's trying to get you, he's trying to steal it from you. And then he comes in, it's like, next thing you know, it's like, I just give up on this. It just, just doesn't work. And that's his, that's his attempt is, is maybe it's this thing of honoring God with your finances. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's restoration in your family. Maybe it's giving up on a marriage, a job, or a calling like in my case. I don't know what it is. But for every single one of us that's sitting in here, if he hasn't stolen it from you, he will try to get you to give it up. And you can't allow him to do that. You have to see it for what it is. You, you know, and, and that's the thing. We think, well, he's not killing it. No, 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 no. He's not killing it. But he's trying to get you to sacrifice it and give it up. And if he's done it, he's just going to keep on doing it. And so if there's something in your life that, like, for me, it's like you, you continue to do it. You continue to do it. You continue to do it. It's like, finally, it's like, oh, oh I'm giving this up. This is something that was good in my life. This is something that the Lord wants me to do. I have to stop giving this up and say, no, 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 I'm not giving this up anymore. I'm not gonna let the devil steal this part of my life. And so the third thing is this, if, he's, if he can't steal it and if he can't get you to give it up, thirdly, he will try to destroy it. Something, and, and, and this definition of destroyed is, is something that is ruined, something that is wasted, something that is trashed, something that's devastated or destroyed. Think about that. He tries to steal it, he can't steal it. He tries to, tries to get you to give it up, you, can't give it, he, you won't give it up, here's what he'll do. He's like, all right, that's fine. You wanna keep that thing in your life, you wanna keep rolling with the, the, the marriage, I'll just come squeaking in and I'll just begin to sow seeds of discord and distrust and, and things to what? to ruin this, this thing that we call marriage. He, he'll just come in, it could be your finances. Maybe you're just like, you're bound, you're bound and determined. Like, I don't care what I am gonna give. And, and, and then he comes coming in and it's like, well, you know what? I can't get him to give it up and I can't steal it, but man, I can definitely ruin it. That's how he works. And, and, and so we have to identify these things and we have to be like, no, I'm not doing this. You know, and, and when I was looking at this back, well, it might've been in July, doesn't, I don't know. I, I took a, a piece of note paper and I drew three columns on it. And I wrote steal, kill, and destroy, right? Steal, try get to give it up, and ruin. And I just started writing in those columns because it's like, wow, okay. I see what's going on here. I, I don't know, I guess I'm just a visual learner, right? Uh, and, and so when I see it on a paper, it's like, okay. Now I've identified what he's doing and what, what you know, because it's, it's just these subtle ways that he is trying to work. And so what is it that the thief is trying to ruin? Relationship, you know, ruin a relationship with a child, ruin a relationship with a family member, ruin your love for God and the church, causing you to question it and just kind of causing you to, to, to sow these seeds of question and doubt in your mind. That's what, that's ruining what it is that you believe and what it is that you know to be true. The devil's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so the good news, though, and that's what we're going to focus on is the good news, right? It's important that we know. 
It's just like, you know, nobody enjoys, you know, going into the team meeting and listening to the coaches talk about the opponent. Man, we want to get out there. We want to throw the ball. We want to, you know, do some, you know, score some touchdowns. But listen, there is the part where you have to show diligence and you have to know what it is that's going on. Because why? It guarantees the victory. And when we know these things, it guarantees our victory. So how is it? How is it that we can make sure that this good life that Jesus came to give us doesn't get taken from us. How do we make sure? Here, and so these are the steps to beating a pickpocket every single time. Number one, stay alert. Stay alert. What's it say in 1 Peter 5, 8? In the message version, it says, keep a cool head. I like that. Keep a cool head. You know, we just got done talking about the, 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 the tools of the enemy. And I think a lot of times people are like, ah, the enemy, the devil, he's out to get me. Well, yeah, he's seeking whom he may devour, but he, he can't devour you because of what Jesus has done. Jesus came, he paid the price, he gave us victory over the enemy. The devil is under our feet. And so we have to know that that's the case, but we also, that enables us to keep a cool head, but it goes on to say, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. It's kind of like the other night. We went to the football game and, and uh, uh, I just love messing with little kids. <laughs> and hey, you know, for the sake of the illustration, that's what the enemy wants to do. He likes messing with little kids. He likes messing with God's kids. So here I am, and I was sitting there, and the Yoder showed up, and, and uh, they, the kids were running around. Next thing I know, uh, I was going to go around and talk to Brian, and, and uh, Ethan's sitting there on the bench with two hands on this burger, just like, you know, just like a squirrel with a nut, you know, just loving life, loving this little burger, kind of slobbering on it. It was really, really pretty gross. I mean, it was gross how he was eating it. But the thing that I like to do is and mess with people that are eating stuff is I'll, I'll either grab what it is that they're eating and take a bite out of it. Now, in this case, I wasn't about to do that because he was slobbering all over it. So what I did is I grabbed his arm real hard and I, and I jerked it up like I'm, I'm pulling his hands and his arm and the burger, everything, all in one, right up to my mouth. I'm just going to like take a big giant bite out of this thing. But what I didn't expect was he, he's like, he's like, he's, he, he flinched and, he's, and he like kind of pulled against it. He's like, oh, no, no, you're not taking my burger. <laughs> he was really hungry. But my point is, is that he was alert. He stayed alert. The same thing is true when it comes to our lives in Christ, this good life, the things that God came to give us. We have to be like Ethan with a burger. And we got to like hold on to that thing with all of our might. And when the, when the enemy comes in and he tries to snatch it real quick, you know, we got to, no, 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 uh-uh. Stay alert. What's the second thing that we need to do? Second thing we need to do is surrender. Surrender. And sometimes surrendering can be really, really difficult. And the next thing that you need to do is not, when I say surrender, I say surrender everything. Everything that is in your life, you surrender it all to God. And you say, I'm giving it all to you. Look at what it says in James 4, 6, or 7. It says, so then, surrender to God. People don't want to surrender, though. That's the problem. You know, we talk about all of this stuff. We know exactly how it is that he, he operates. We know his tools. We know his methods. We, we, we want to stay alert, right? But we don't want to surrender. We don't want to give up everything to him. We don't want to bring ourselves under his authority. I'll give you this, but I'm not giving you this. And that's kind of how we live life sometimes. But here's the problem with that. Because James 4, 7 says, surrender to God. And then it goes on to say, stand up to the devil, resist him, and he will flee. Well, guess what? 
If you and I don't surrender, it nullifies the rest of the verse. Like if I don't surrender my life to God and my finances to God and my life to God and my marriage to God, I can resist him and stand up against him all day long. But I don't have the backing of the truth of God's word in my life. That man, he, that God, you have all of it. It's all yours. I give it all to you. So we have to surrender every single area of our life. Our thinking, what we're doing, our attitudes, what we're, the hurt that we're holding onto, the disappointment, the desires that we have in life, the anger maybe that we have in our heart, we have to give it up. It's so critical that we surrender. You have to surrender to him. And so Ephesians 4.27 says this, give him no opportunity or don't give him a place. So think about that, guys. So if I just decide, okay, I will give you all of this, Lord, but I'm not giving you this area of my life. I'm just, I'm just doing exactly what Paul said in Ephesians 4. That place that's in my life that I haven't surrendered to God, that's exactly where the enemy is gonna come into my life. Whether it be, you know, the desires that I have, you know, uh, um, you know, you would think, you, you think about the desires that we have, like maybe as men, there's things that we enjoy doing and our marriage is not going the way that we want it to, but we got, we got these other things that are over there and it's like, I, I, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with going and doing this? What's wrong with going fishing? What's wrong with going hunting? And I'm not trying to pick on those things. I'm, this is merely for illustration purposes only that, that if, if, if something's not going right, my, all I'm asking you to do is ask yourself the question, does the desire that I have in my life, is that the place where I'm giving the devil an opportunity in my life? Because the Lord, he, he's working on us. You know, I, I told the illustration the other night, when I was in school, I, I, I was very strict in my routine, went to school, then I go lift weights, and then I go to work. And one day I was up there working out and, and I'm in the middle of a set and the Lord spoke to me and he said, what are you training for? And I, I'm like right in the middle of a set and I'm like, I just dropped the weights because I was just like, it's not that, it's not that working out is bad. It's just that I had allowed that thing to become greater in my life than it should have been. And so the Lord's not saying, hey, give it up. He's just saying, I want you, I want to have that. I want to make sure that I control that. I want to make sure that you, you know, are, are doing that in balance and that the other areas of your life are in balance. And so I don't know what it is that you need to surrender, but today's the day to do it. Today's the day to, to realize that, you know what? I've done exactly what Paul said. I've given him an opportunity in my life through this place in my life that I'm not surrendering. And today I'm going to surrender that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, Lord, I've given you 90% of my life and this 10% that I've been holding on to, I'm no longer going to hold on to it. Today, I'm going to give it to you. Now, the thing about surrender is, is that we can give it to him today, but the devil's going to, he's going to come back and he's going to challenge you in that area of your life. And he's going he's gonna to try and get that portion of you back. But you got to say, no, no, I am determined with everything that's within me that I am surrendered 100% to God. The last thing that we need to do is we need to stand up and we need to resist the enemy. James 4, 7 says, surrender uh, to God, stand up to the devil, resist him, and he will flee in agony. He'll flee when we stand up and when we resist him. You guys remember Jesus when he was in the wilderness? He, was, he went to the wilderness and he was tempted for 40 days. And if you go to, to uh, John and you look that up, you can see very, very clearly that the enemy came to him. He came to him, came to him. We, we see three, three points of it where he said, hey, do this. And Jesus said, no, it is written. And then he said, he did that three different times. And those are the records that we have, but he was there for 40, 40 days I'm guessing that the devil came to him many, many, many more times. And, and every single time he came, he just said, it is written and he said to it. And so in our lives, when it comes to standing up and resisting, we resist him with our words. James 4, 7, stand up, resist him. He'll flee in agony. And the last promise that we have is, is that he will flee. It's our words, guys. There's there, there, these things that come up, you have to speak to it. When you recognize that 
is something that, that, that is meant to harm me, you have to say, nope, no, no, I'm not doing that in the name of Jesus. I refuse to, to go that way. I refuse to, to allow that. I refuse to allow that sickness in my child. I refuse to allow you to attack my finances. I refuse to allow you to, to come into my marriage. You refuse it and resist it and you stand up to it with your words. You can know it in your heart. I can know that, that, that my kids are healthy and whole. I can know that Jesus paid the price for them. But, but if they come, come in and they don't feel good, we, we get down on our knees and we gather together as a family and we lay our hands on them and we pray. Why? Because the word says that if any two of us agree is touching anything, it will be done. So it's the action and, and, and it's the speaking and it's doing it right in that small step. It's like, no, I'm not letting this get, get away from me. I'm not letting this, continue, you know, this little tiny step. I'm not doing that. Man, I'm gonna be disciplined in the tiny steps because I know that when I'm disciplined, I, you know, that, that he cannot steal, kill, and destroy my life. Amen? Amen. Well, hey, let's, let's just bow our heads and commit this to the Lord. Because here's the thing, guys. You know, this good life that he came to give us, he wants you to have that. And so today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I, today is your day to make a decision. This is the most important time of the service. Why? Because between you and God, you can make a decision to say, Lord, I, Holy Spirit, I heard you speak to me and I will make that adjustment. That's what you're saying when you raise your hand. So if, that, if that's you today and the Lord has spoken to your heart, I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Just put it up and put it back down. It's between you and the Lord. That's right. Oh, that's so good. Because he wants you he wants to lead you, guide you, coach you, help you, strengthen you. And that's what you're doing here today as you're saying, Lord, that's me. And I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I value what you're saying and I will do something with it. Now, the other thing is this. Maybe you're the person that you've walked away from the Lord. Today is the day to get back with him. If, you've, if you're in the wrong pasture, like we talked about before, and you've, you've wandered off, Today's your day to get back and get in the, in the right pasture. If that's you, if you've made that decision and you want to come back, today is the day. Just with a raise of your hand, just go ahead and lift it up. Anybody there? I see those hands. Anybody else? Anybody else? Awesome. And then finally, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, today is the day. Today's the day that you need to make that decision that, Lord, I choose your pasture. Is there anybody in here? Anybody at all? Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, we're just going to have a general prayer. And then what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to sing this last song. And those that responded to rededicate their lives, you guys can uh, um, um, come and see our prayer team. And uh, they'll pray with you and, and give you some resources. And so let's just pray. Father, we come before you today. And Father, we just thank you for this good life that you came to give us. We're thankful, Father, for it. We're thankful, Father God, that you've given us the instruction, Father, as to how to live this good life. You've given us every tool that we need. You've given us the power and the ability and the authority to walk out what it is that you have designed for us. And we thank you, Father, for it today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said.